is Al Clan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Crew Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right. We sure wish you would. We always love hearing from folks all around the country and all around the town. That's it. Get a different perspective of what's going on around the country right now. Well, that's it. Well, it's kind of coolish here for us, but it's warming it's up. It's pretty cool everywhere. And of course, well, what we call cool and what they call cool. Exactly. <laughs> Up north is probably cold. <laughs> oh, I only imagine it is very, very, very cold. So, but yeah, give us a call. It's 291 6901. Be glad to try to answer any questions you might have. You having problems with your car? Brake squeaking, belt squeaking. Belts. Won't, won't stop, won't start. There you go. Whatever the concern may be, you give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That we will. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air today or maybe Anytime. later on during the week? Even at midnight next week, you can always go to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click that little button, fill out the form, send it in. It couldn't be any easier. That's right, and we'll be glad to get an answer right straight back to you. In fact, when you do go in and fill out the form, when you go to send it, it's going to ask you, would you like to remember this information? Uh-huh. And if you tell it yes, it'll actually memorize your name and your address and all that stored on your computer, not on some server somewhere. So Correct. it's still private. It just puts a little cookie on your machine that stores the data for you. And that way, next time you go back, that's all filled out for you. So you don't have to keep typing in your name and oh, that's great. email address that's and all great. that. In fact, it even remembers the vehicle that you have. And you okay. can have multiple vehicles if you like. All you have to do is update the mileage and the complaint, the complaint. each time. And it makes it real, real simple to send it in. Well, that sounds simple to me. That's right. <laughs> it would be easier if somebody went away and did it for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be easier if you went to their house and fixed their car. But, well, uh, that's right. That just ain't likely to go happen. But, that's going to say, I don't see it happening. <laughs> Cool weather brings on a number of concerns. It does. One of the things that I noticed this week and the previous week when the weather went down is an awful lot of folks coming in with a little tire pressure warning light on. Uh Uh-huh. And a lot of them say, man, I must have something in one of my tires because the warning light is on. Okay. And actually what is happening is that because the temperature drops, pressure is based on temperature. Correct. To a degree. In other words, the air in your tires, when they are hot, goes up. The pressure goes up. When they get cold, the pressure goes down. And with a normal car like we had in the past, we really didn't pay much attention to that. We just didn't notice it. I was going to say, you just didn't notice it because there was no warning lights to tell you about it. That's right. Let's say you normally kept 35 pounds of air in your tires, and when it got cold, the air pressure dropped down to maybe 29 pounds. Uh Well, you just didn't know. You just drove around with the tires slightly underinflated. Correct. Of course, now with the tire pressure monitoring systems, the first thing, wham, big light pops on your dash. Right. There's a threshold, upper and lower limits, Mm -hmm. that that system monitors. And let's say 30 is the lower limit. Right. Well, when the tire goes under 29, it sets off a flag, turns on the light, and says, hey, we got a low tire here. That's right. And that's why it may seem like it came on all of a sudden. It Mm -hmm. didn't actually come on all of a sudden. Let's say your tires are running at 30 PSI, which was slightly low, but still above the threshold. Right. The next day, the temperature dropped 15 degrees. Well, that put it another pound down. Well, now it's below the threshold, so all of a sudden, wham, light turns on. Correct. And it's not that it just happened all of a sudden. It's just that it was already at the base of where it could tolerate, and the little bit of change in temperature put it down below that. Well, the light came on. 
Now, some of the more sophisticated systems may say left front, right front, mm-hmm. but most of them just say low tire. Right. So it's just a you. light on the dash that comes on. That's right. I know like some of the Corvettes and stuff will actually identify which tire, and some of them may even tell you what the pressure is in the tire. Mm-hmm. That's the exception to the rule. Most of them, it's just a warning light. It comes on and says, hey, I've got a low tire. Right. And it's up to you to go in and check figure all out. the tires and figure out which one it is. And with most vehicles, it's going to check the four tires that are on the car. On the ground. On the ground. Uh-huh. That's right. The exception is the Lexus and the Toyotas generally have five sensors, and they actually check the spare as well. Correct. Now, that can create problems for some people because we get a lot of times folks will come in and they'll say, well, I've checked every one of my tires. They all have the right pressure and light's still on. Uh-huh. But they're neglecting to check the spare tire. Right. Like you were saying, Toyota being the only one that actually is doing that right now. I'm not if sure if they're the only ones. The only ones I can think of. That's the only one I've seen so far mm-hmm. come through the shop. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a very, very nice feature. It in, is. In fact, if I had to have that system, I would want it on a spare. Correct. Even more so. Cause then I can, on the ground. Yeah, I can look at the ones on the ground, but a lot of times a spare tire is difficult to get to. Sure. So it makes perfect sense to put one on it. It's, to me, the most sensible It's the most important. Yeah, the most important. Because when I need my spare tire, it's going to be the worst possible time for me to figure out exactly this thing is flat <laughs> exactly on the side of the interstate pouring yeah. down rain with a right, 30 with a degrees tire. with yeah. a flat tire yeah, yeah. My wife ragging on me and right. <laughs> Why you <keep> and, <laughs> and of course that is one of the things that we have when we do a general inspection on your car at agco that is one of the things that we always check uh-huh. is the air in the spare tire simply because very 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 few people ever check that just doesn't occur to people right and when you open the trunk and you get down to the spare you can actually look at the condition of the tire also because Mm -hmm. a lot of times that was the original tire that was bought with the car very often car may have had two or three different sets of tires put on it over the years Mm -hmm. but the spare very rarely gets serviced Mm -hmm. or changed Mm -hmm. and what'll actually happen is it'll get real hot in the trunk and depending on how old the tire is i've actually seen them separate in the trunk apart right You open the trunk lid and, and take up the, the plastic and everything, and there's a tire with the cords hanging out. That's right. Still got beads on it. It's That's never right. been on the ground. Yeah, I remember we had a temporary spare that did that a few years back and raised the train. I mean, it just had a big old blown out oh, section yeah. with the cord. I think cords was hanging out. Lady said she'd heard a loud explosion. Didn't right. know what it was. We raised the thing, and it just literally blew up. Blew apart. And it was, I don't know, 10, 12 years old, right. as old as the car was. It's right. a piece of rubber. And like you said, when that car's sitting out in the sun, the heat builds up and it builds up a lot in sure, that trunk. Sure, because, because there's no circulation hardly in that trunk. That's right. Especially, let's say it's a dark colored car. Right. Black so it's car, pulling. red car, whatever. Yeah, that trunk may get up to 140 degrees. Oh, easily and during the summertime in South Louisiana. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It almost gets that hot outside. <laughs> <laughs> Walking around. I'm telling you. Yeah, in that trunk, it can get very, very, very hot. So that's one thing that. If you bring the car to us once a year for a general inspection, you don't really have to worry about so much. But the folks who don't, what you do need to do is get in the habit of checking your spare tire every so often. If you have a Toyota or Lexus that's a fairly late model, it's got a sensor which will monitor the pressure for you. Right. But it's not going to tell you how old it is. And it's not going to tell you the condition that it's in. And just like any tire, it does have a production date on it. That's right. Even a little temporary tire, spare tires have a production date on well that's right and six years is a safe life on a tire that's in service you could probably push a spare a little beyond that if you realize this is a spare tire correct and it's used for that purpose only 
point A to point B right. to get it fixed, not I'm, to put on and drive around for a week and a half. Yeah, I'm not going to put this on and go down the interstate and drive 70 miles. Exactly. An hour. Those spare tires, little temporary spares, they have a most of them are good up to 45 miles an hour 50 miles some an hour 50. 60 pounds i think they even have a, a extended a range yeah right some of them are 45 miles at they, they'll have it in the owner's manual some of them actually have it written on the sidewall of the tire correct but it's a very limited use thing and it's designed strictly to get you all out of emergency situation situation right you're right. sitting there with a flat tire so whatever you got is better than nothing but the point is if you take a look at that spare tire from time to time just make a habit mm-hmm. at least once a year. Right. Probably six every six months would be better. And it wouldn't hurt to actually take it out of the trunk. Not just That's open right. the lid and look at it. Yes. Take it out, look at it. Mm-hmm. See what it kind of shape it's in. Check the pressure in it. Right. Check the condition of it. And check the age of it. And that was is going to save you from a great big old inconvenience. It when sure you really will. need to think. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break, but we will be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Travel my way. Take the highway. That's the best. And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about $15,000. That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I've never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Outland, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. That's right. And right now is a perfect time to call. We got all our lines wide open. That's Just right. Just get you a live and personal answer this morning. That's right. Just sitting here waiting to hear from you. That's it. Just give us a call. And we were talking about tires, uh-huh. stuff like that, spare tires in particular, but same thing goes with the tires on your car right very very often folks will have tires particularly we have a lot of elderly folks who come to agco and they don't drive a lot okay they drive maybe five thousand miles a year that's not many yeah 500 miles a month or so and what happens is that when the car gets six years old the car may only have twenty thousand miles on it thirty thousand miles on it, so the tires still look good They've still got a lot of rubber left on them. Uh-huh. And when they're putting around town, it's probably not such a problem. Okay. However, maybe they decide, well, we're going to Atlanta to see the grandkids. Okay. Or we're going to Orlando. Or maybe we're going to take a little road trip and go up north to see the leaves change colors or whatever. They get out on the interstate, get up to 70 miles an hour, and hold it for a few hours, and what happens is the old tire lets go because it's old. Right. The rubber's deteriorated. The belts are compromised. The tire blows out. Maybe it messes up the car. Maybe it messes them up. Right. Because a car can be very hard to control, particularly with a blowout on the back. A front is bad enough, but you can at least kind of control that with the steering wheel. Mm -hmm. But if you blow a tire out on the rear of a car, particularly the modern cars that are very, very light anyway, 
Correct. I mean, they're very, very light. All right, most know, of your weight's in the front over yeah, the axles. little car maybe weighs 25 to 2,700 pounds, and probably 60% of that is in the front. Right. When you blow a rear tire out, it's sort of like a forklift turning those rear wheels. You know how it just kind of right. It'll, it'll <laughs> turn around, around in a hurry. Absolutely. And so when you lose a rear tire on one of these little small cars, it is very, very hard to maintain control of the vehicle. And we see that a lot, and that's another thing that we always check in our general inspection is the age of the tires. And sometimes you will tell people, well, we need to replace these tires because they're old. Uh-huh. And some folks, oh, yeah, I'm glad you told me that, but, oh, well, those tires look good. They've got this mindset that if the tire's not worn out, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And you can try to tell them otherwise, but if they're not going to listen, well, they're just well, not going to listen. That's, that's it. Everybody makes up their own mind. They're the ones going to have to suffer the consequences. Right. But what happens if you don't change this tire is you're very, very likely going to have some kind of a mishap. And what's so bad about that? I mean, you can take responsibility for yourself, but you can't take responsibility for that other guy in the other lane that you slam into because Correct. your tire blew out. Or if you cross the center line and kill a family of three. So you have a responsibility to maintain your car in a safe condition, Mm -hmm. which means the age of the tires. And where that is really, really critical is like on motorhomes and travel trailers. Right, things that don't get out very often. Well, yeah, because let's say a big motorhome may have six or eight or ten tires on it. These are great big 10-ply tires, which are expensive, maybe $300 a piece. Mm Mm-hmm. And the guy may use it two, three times a year. So in six years, those tires look like brand new. Sure. It's awful hard to convince him that, hey, you, you need have, tires. Yeah, you got to right. cough up two or three thousand bucks for a set of tires right. when these look great. But let me tell you, that big motorhome sliding sideways down the interstate is not will, a pretty picture. No, it will tear up a lot of things. Oh, yeah, including you. Correct. And that's where it's really really critical is on stuff like that that doesn't get used very much Mm -hmm. another thing i found where that can be a problem is like on a trailer let's say trailer tires yeah let's say you've got a trailer that you maybe put a car on or you put a tractor on or you're even just a a regular four-wheeler right whatever a little small trailer it didn't have to be a great big trailer most people do not use those very often no they don't so what happens is the tires very very rarely are ever going to wear out so you got to be cognizant of the age of that tire as well as the tread condition of the tire sure because that trailer tire blows out oh yeah you got a couple tons of oh yeah weight back there pulling the vehicle around well, that happened to me once. I actually borrowed a trailer, and silly as I might sound, I forgot to look at the date on the tires, uh-huh. and I was hauling a front end machine on this thing down I-12 right. about 4.30 in the afternoon when the tire blew out, and I literally spun around and crossed the interstate and ended up in far lane. How I didn't get killed, I guess God looks out for uh-huh. fools and drunks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a, an absolute miracle that I didn't get killed, sure. and that taught me a very important lesson about looking at the age <laughs> it of tires. usually does oh yeah not to do that but one time that's it let's go to the phone lines jim good morning jim hey i'm sorry jim having a little difficulty maybe you call right back i'll try to get you online and let's see we got herb online good morning herb uh, sound look like a little phone trouble this morning yeah let's just like keep phone. trying we'll try to get you on the air yeah call back and then we'll try to put you right up at the top of the line i'm not sure what's going on but talking about tires uh-huh. and stuff like that now another big big problem that we see with tires and this is even with brand new tires right a lot of times folks will come in they've got a vibration in their car and the tires are new 
Okay. And it's just a cheap set of tires that were not round the day they were they were manufactured. Made. Right. And the people who sell cheap tires a lot of times do not know how to mount them right, so they weren't mounted right. Mm-hmm. And they what they've got is an out around tire. And if they decide they're just going to put up with this, they can end up with an inordinate amount of front end damage or rear end damage, wheel bearings, struts, shocks, ball joints, right. tie rods. Right, because that tire is vibrating from the minute it starts rolling. That's right. And the only reason you feel it at that speed is because it can't overcome the, the harmonics of the car. That's right. We're going to try the phone lines again? Let's see. We're going to try the phone right. lines again. Jim, you there? Yeah, I'm here now. Oh, okay. All right. Great. Thanks. I had some technical difficulties. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what's going on. Okay. Uh, Position yeah, of the moon, I, got, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 2002 Chevy Silverado with the V6 in it. All right, sir. I heard my brakes kind of grinding in the right rear, passenger okay. rear. Yes, sir. And I took it off, and one of them was completely ground down to the, to the noisemaker. Yes, sir. And um, so I just, you know, put in some new disc pads and there. The rotor wasn't messed up. Mm-hmm. And on both sides. And now, after, you know, I just did this last weekend. Yes, sir. I don't yep. drive the truck a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And now I'm smelling the left driver's yes, side rear. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, you are. Pretty, pretty predictable. Was the other side worn completely out like that or no? Yeah, the passenger side was worn completely down to nothing. Well, how about the other side on the driver's side? No, it wasn't. It still had like yeah, a water in Yeah, see, that's what's going on is that you've got one of your calipers is hanging up, and it's probably the one on the left side. The reason that pad did not wear is because it wasn't applying. The uh, one wheel was doing all the stop, and that's what wore that one pad out. And yeah, well, it had like 3,000 miles on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it doesn't make any well, difference. See, what happened when you went in and you pushed those pistons back in, now it's stuck in a different position, and it's probably applying all the time now, right. and that's why it's getting hot and you're those, smelling it. Those were notorious for the calipers hanging up after a service because yeah. when you push the pistons back in, they would hang up, and then the, the fluid would force the piston back out in a bind. And it would just oh, bind up. Man. It wouldn't relax and come back yeah, in. Yeah, they have a... Spray with WD-40? No, no. The, the, best, <laughs> the best thing to do is go down to the parts house, get two calipers and put on it, and you'll be done with it. Yeah, it's I a mean, it's, phenolic it's, yeah. piston, which is a sort of a plastic ceramic material. And the reason they use that phenolic, gem, it's actually a lot of people, oh, I don't want that, I don't want steel. No, no, it's good. It's yeah. just that's the only problem. But see, the phenolics won't rust and corrode yeah. like steel will. And they're also good about quieting noise and keeping heat out of the brake pads. That's why they use it. But How the much pro- a couple of calibers cost? Not much. No, uh, fairly reasonable. 50, I mean, 50 60 okay. bucks a piece. Yeah. They're not that bad. Yeah. Okay. They're not really. This will be a rebuilt one. You know, that's all you need. They don't, right. they don't sell new ones. But they yeah, bleed the brake line at all. You will have right. to bleed the brakes. And what you actually want to do is before you ever take that caliper off, go in and bleed the brakes. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is that what's happening, why did the caliper go bad? Well, generally, it's got some contamination in the system. See, your truck is 14 years old, almost 15 years old. That brake fluid is probably highly contaminated, and that had a lot to do with why that caliper went bad. Before you start, you go in and you bleed the brakes completely. Get all the contaminated fluid out. Then you put the new caliper on it. Then you bleed it again. Because if you, if you don't, what happens is you put that brand new caliper on. First time you hit the brake pedal, you're taking that nasty contaminated fluid, you run it right up inside that brand new caliper. Yeah. Now, see, the yeah. old caliper, the seals are nice and hard, so they can kind of scratch through all that. That new caliper, those seals are nice and pliable. That dirt's going to stick in that caliper, and it's going to last about six months, and it's going to be leaking. Oh, boy. Okay. So go through, and if you don't want to do it, I mean, call me Monday. I can do it for you. It ain't that big of a deal. But if yeah. you're going to do it yourself, Flush that system out thoroughly. Make sure every bit of that nasty old fluid gets out of it. And use fresh sealed brake fluid. Yeah, do in not a sealed container. use an old bottle that you no. got laying around. Throw that away and get you a fresh bottle of fluid, about a quart of fluid. 
Go in, yeah. go get your wife's turkey baster. She's going to love you for that right before Thanksgiving. Suck all yeah. that fluid out of the master cylinder and then refill it with fresh fluid. Then just do like you're bleeding the brakes. Don't push the pedal to the floor because you'll mess up yeah. the master cylinder. Yeah. Put, put something like a brick underneath the brake pedal where it'll only go down a distance. That way you won't accidentally push it to the floor. You push okay. it down, open the bleeder, tighten the bleeder, open it up, and just keep doing that. Keep adding fluid until you get every bit of the old contaminated fluid out. Then you're ready okay. to put the new calipers on. Okay, that sounds good. All righty. All right, man. Thanks. All right, man. All right. Thanks, Colin. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would absolutely love to have you. And we've got Herb online. Good morning, Herb. Hey, little word, Ward. Uh, I, <laughs> I was calling you about something else, but I going to make me some stainless steel pistons for my 03, 93 Ford pickup. Yes, sir. that problem, but he swore him down. He'd never, ever try that. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, I got a friend at 76 and her husband at 78 and they left this morning from Pineville going to Houston towards all that rain and I yes, tried sir. to kill them. I said that the rear tires on your car are 05s. Oh, oh wow. And they own the rear and I said, y'all going over on, and you're not going on the interstate. And I said, them tires are 10, 11 years old, you know, wow. but they just said, well, they look good and they passed oh, inspection. I know. It is hard to convince people that. I had a lady come in one time and she was doing a trip check on her car and I told her, I said, ma'am, these tires are 10 years old. And she says, okay, we'll go ahead and get me a set of tires. So I ordered a set of tires for her. And when she goes home, her neighbor goes on and looks. She says, oh, he's just trying to sell you something. You don't need tires. So she calls him back and cancels. I said, ma'am, I'm not trying to sell you tires. I don't care where you get them. But I'm just telling you, go ahead and get your set of tires before you go. Well, I didn't hear anything back from her. About a month later, she calls me back. She says, uh, Miss Alton, yes, ma'am. I said, I owe you an apology. I said, well, how's that? She says, well, you know, I was going. I didn't even get to Biloxi and tire blew out. And I had to spend the night there. And I had to go buy a tire in a gas station. And it cost me $200. Well, yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you. I started to say, well, ask Mr. Tire next door. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's one thing they don't do on your state inspection. They don't look at the tire, Not the date age. on the tires. No, just condition of the amount of rubber that's Right, left. that's all they look at. In fact, that's a good idea. I may lobby Send one of our representatives there you to start go. doing that. But that's one thing they do not do is they don't check the age of the tire. They just check the amount of rubber remaining. Yeah, well, like you said, they killed somebody on the other lane, you know. Well, and, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, if, if I'm coming dangerous. the other way, I'm on, we're going to have a problem here. And that car is dangerous. Well, that's a missile. And I if, mean, you that if it won't pass inspection, it's got a good chance of getting something done about it. That's right. right. Yeah, that, that's a 3,000-pound missile traveling 70 miles an hour, man. Okay, I just wanted to throw that in there. Well, good. I appreciate well, it, Herb. Okay. Thanks, bye-bye. man. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take another quick little break, but we will be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Booyah! 
Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. The man with the whiskers has a lot behind it, but I can't hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And a 225 in front of that will get to us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. And I think the actual, the international code is a 1. Uh-huh. So you dial 1-1-225-291-6900, okay. and that'll get you to us, or 6901, that'll get you to us from just about anywhere in the world. In the world. There you go. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, we got to go back to our phone lines. John, good morning, John. Hi, it's John in Toronto calling. Hey, John, hey, how, how you, you doing, doing, man? John knows how to call internationally. There you go. <laughs> Actually, I just dial a regular number from Canada. Just, just... Well, there you go. All right. <laughs> Good to know. I was I was to that show that you were in Las Vegas when I was a young man and about 40 years ago, and it was a fabulous show. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. That thing has just grown yeah, I... to just outrageous proportions. It's, it's more than you can see in four days. Yeah, you can't even see it all. Well, it was just in the Las Vegas convention that many years ago they didn't have the other one yeah they it filled the entire las vegas convention center the grounds of the las vegas convention center and the sands convention center isn't that something yeah i had a question for you i had the brake service done and i heard you talking this morning and i wondered if they did it properly as far as the taking the fluid out now, they had me sit in the car and pump as they took the fluid out. Is that correct? It's a newer car. It's an Accord with, you know, not yeah, many miles. See the, it's, not, it's not worn out, you know? Yes, sir, absolutely. What is better is to put a pressurized tank on the master cylinder, which pushes the fluid through it, because what that enables is that you can go in with a scan tool and you can actuate the ABS unit. In other words, what they did is they cleaned out the system, but the fluid is not flowing through the ABS module. So it still has a very, very small amount of contaminated fluid inside of that unit. Now, what you can do yourself is if you've got some ice and snow up there, which I'm sure you do, just go out and I'm put, looking at it. There you go. <laughs> put the car into a couple of ABS stops. In other words, if you hit the brakes hard to where the wheels sort of lock up, it's going to do that and all that. Put it into a couple of ABS stops. That will automatically cycle the fluid through the ABS unit, which is going to take the fresh, clean fluid and run it through that unit, which would kind of finish the job for you. You don't have to add anything more? No, sir. It's going to recycle it. It'll it'll add a small amount of contaminated fluid to the clean fluid, but it's so insignificant, I don't think it'll be a big deal at all. But... What to answer your question, what they did is perfectly good, and it did your world of good to do that. It's just as a little additional icing on the cake, as it were, if you cycle those valves in the ABS control unit, you can get a little bit more of the fluid out. I've probably already done it because we've got snow here in the ABS. In your region, with all the ice and snow, that unit is probably always being cycled, so it's probably almost a non-issue. See, down here, very rarely do you ever. We never have ice or snow, and unless you get in the mud or the gravel, you're not. Most ABS units down here sit in one spot for the life of the car. They never even get used. And so those units can get contaminated, and you can end up with problems inside the unit if you don't flush it out. Good. All All right. right. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. All right, John. Thanks for calling, man. All right. Thanks again. Bye. Yes, sir. Bye. Bye bye. All right, all the way from Toronto, Canada. How about that? I'm telling you. And we're going back to the phone lines with Neil. Good morning, Neil. Hey, Louis. This is Neil. I brought yes, in a 73 Ford Bronco last week. Okay, great. And we worked on the transmission, but I was yeah. driving it to work this week, stopped off to get a coffee, mm-hmm. and I noticed whenever I came out, a little bit of coolant 
that had dripped out of the right side of it. So I ran it back home, Mm -hmm. sat in the driveway, let it get up to temperature, pressure, allowed the thermostat to open up, Mm -hmm. and never could get it to leak again. Hmm. And it was on the right side of the motor or right side of the front under the grill? It's on the right side of the radiator. Yeah, check the cap, Neil, because it's got a pressurized cap. And sometimes, under certain conditions, that cap can actually blow off. In other words, it gets enough pressure in the system to where it opens. It may expel a little bit of fluid. And there's a gasket at the top of the cap that doesn't seal the pressure system, but it keeps the fluid in. If that little gasket's bad, when that cap opens and the fluid goes to the reservoir, it can also leak some out. And then if the pressure goes down, it won't leak again. Yeah, the reservoir's on the left side, and the cap's on the left side of the radiator, hmm. so it didn't make sense. Really? Un- unless it hit uh, something and ran across the chassis yeah, it, and dripped off that side. It can drip in obscure places right. because it may come out and then run down, you know, run down the rail of the radiator and drip off on the other side or something. Right. That's the okay. only thing I can think of that would be intermittent like that. Right. The only now, other thing be the water do, pump. Right. Sometimes a water pump will leak intermittently. You know, It may leak just a little bit and stop, and then later right. on it'll leak again a little bit and stop, and then sooner or later it blows out. Normally what you can do, if you get under the vehicle and look very carefully you know where the weep hole is on the bottom of the water pump where the shaft comes out there's a little hole and what that hole is is a seal in front of it that hole is to let you know when that seal leaks because as the fluid runs past the seal it gets and runs out that little weep hole and you may not see fresh coolant there, but see if you see any little white calcium-looking buildup right. in that area. Like a telltale trail. little telltale trail. Yeah. If you see any green stains or any little white trail, then that water pump is probably leaking. If you can't find it, Neil, you can run it by the shop. We can do a pressure test on it, and we can find it. In worst-case scenarios, we can actually add a fluorescent dye to the cooling system and then let you drive it, come back, and put a black light on it, and find it. Okay. I appreciate it. All righty. All right. Thank you. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we would love to have you. And we've got Herb online. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. I hate to keep bugging okay. I was going to, talking about the brakes. My uncle was pulling an airstream out in New Mexico in the mountains, and he was pulling off those uh, side you know, pull-offs where you can look off out to Wild Blue Yes, Yonder. sir. Yeah. And he said, I pulled over, and look how pretty, you know. And he said, we went on down, pulled over, look how pretty, you know. And uh-huh. the third one, he said, oh, <laughs> he said it brake fluid started boiling oh lord yeah he yeah. had a good emergency brake yeah if your fluid is contaminated what happens with brake fluid is amount of alcohol which raises the boiling point but as moisture starts to get into the alcohol it lowers the boiling point significantly and boiling point of virgin dot three is around 400 degrees but when it gets two percent contamination that drops down to about almost 300 degrees so you know, it comes down almost 100 degrees now Brakes can easily get up to 300 degrees when you're riding in the mountain. You keep stopping, 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 particularly if you're riding those brakes a little bit. And the more contamination, the worse it gets. Now, if you got a European car or a car that takes .4, it's even worse because it has more alcohol. So the initial boil point is higher, but it contaminates faster. So you can easily boil the brake fluid. Brake pedal hits the floor. It cools off. Pedal comes back up. And you're like, what happened? Right. <laughs> they should throw them in Chevrolet places. Brake fluid was boiling. It was about 12 years old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dot- I like to change that brake fluid about every three years. Mm-hmm. That dot five, is that silicone, right? Well, there's dot five, which is silicone, which cannot be used in an ABS system because it'll foam. And okay. then there's five dot one, which is a synthetic fluid. It's a synthetic, and that's very confusing to people. 5.1 is a synthetic, which is actually compatible with the dot .3 and dot .4. So 
So, and that can be used with ABS. So you got to watch. People confuse five and five dot one. And they uh, are two different colors. Yeah, five is going to be purple right. in color. It has a purple dye to let you know that's what it is. And you can't just put five in a car. You have to rebuild the entire system. All the rubber has to be replaced. We use it a lot on classic cars where the car is going to be sitting a lot because it's impervious to moisture. So and once the, you put it in, you're a done. The better thing about it in a classic car is if it get, does get out of the system, it will not eat the paint up. Right. If it gets on the paint, it won't have damage your paint like dot four or dot three. I'm actually running dot five in my classic and I, I tell you, I love it. Yeah, that, for that application, a lot of motorhomes will put it in if they uh-huh. don't have ABS. Well, I had a truck I used strictly for towing my travel trailer, and it set out like this time of year down in a shed. And I was always having masters, I mean, right. wheel cylinders yes, and sir. wheel right. bearings. Well, yeah, we used to have a Volkswagen did the same thing. Mm-hmm. We'd use it once in the fall of the year. We'd use it, and that was the only time it sat the rest of the year. And every time we got in it to do it, we had to put a master and wheel cylinders on. Right. See, every the, time. The reason they use alcohol in brake fluid is because when moisture gets in, it can absorb it. And if you replace the fluid, you can get it out. So that's the reason they're using that. In other words, they could use a mineral-type oil, which would not absorb moisture. But then when moisture got in the system, there would be nothing to contain it. So it would attack the system anyway. So that's the reason they use the alcohol. It's just that it needs to be replaced at some point. Most of the time, whenever we do a brake service, we always purge the brakes out before we do the brake service. So that's it gets done anyway. Mm-hmm. But if some of the vehicles now with the ceramic pads and all, or if you don't drive it very much, those pads may last a long, long, long time, and it gets neglected. So, yeah, every three years you need to go in and replace that brake fluid. Right. This truck, I would pull the axle out of it every year, and they'd be rust barnacles growing Oh, yeah, on the absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah, if it doesn't get used, that's the worst thing in the world on them. Right. Okay, I'll quit balling y'all. <laughs> all right, Herb, thanks for calling, man. <laughs> Bye-bye. 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 All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would absolutely love to have you. We're going to take our last little quick break, but we're going to be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesland, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And we've got Steve's been patiently holding. Good morning, Steve. Hey. Good morning. Well, we're talking about brakes. I got the same Chevrolet C10 chassis. It's a yes, 93. Mm-hmm. The front calipers were seized up on me one time. And yes, I- stopped and, and uh, bled them in Baton Rouge and went all the way to Houston and back, and it, it's so far it hadn't done it again. What's the deal on that? I'm going to have to change those or what? Well, don't be too quick to oh. change just the caliper, Steve, because if you open the bleeder screw and the caliper released, uh-huh. it's not the caliper. 
something is holding residual pressure on the system. Because uh-huh. what you did is you opened the pressure. If the caliper had been bound up, it would not have released. It would be mechanically bound. Okay. So that you kind of diagnose your own problem in a roundabout way. That's the, the way we do. We'll drive it until it locks up. When it locks up, you open the bleeder screw. If it releases, then you know you got a hydraulic problem. Now, there's a number of things that could have caused that. And what you're going to almost have to do to tell definitively is you're going to have to wait till it locks up again and try a couple of more little tests. But one thing would be a brake hose can cause that they'll Mm -hmm. get a little flap of rubber in them because they're about five or six layers thick one little flap of rubber inside acts like a check valve it closes up and it holds that pressure on the caliper even though you've let off the brakes another is the master cylinder it can hold pressure slightly on the brakes and where that's really notorious is that what'll happen let's say you get some contaminated fluid it swells the seal up in that master cylinder just a little bit Well, there's a little port that when you release the brakes, that piston comes back and opens that port. That's what allows the fluid to run back to the reservoir. If that seal swells up just a tiny bit, maybe a sixteenth of an inch, it will block that port or partially block that port. Now, when the brakes get hot, they will the fluid will expand and they will apply themselves and it can't return to the mass cylinder so it'll actually apply the brakes you open the screw it releases the pressure so it releases so what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to wait until it occurs again or i mean you can bring it to us we've got instrumentation that would tell you which one it is but if you want to do it yourself what i would try is next time it does it instead of opening the bleeder screw open the line on top of the hose okay and if it immediately releases then you know the hose is okay if it stays applied, then you know the hose is a restriction. Yeah. Okay. Where's the screw? No, there is no screw. It's no. going to be a, it's where be the, a fitting where the line goes into into the no, rubber. No, before that, you were saying something about a screw. The bleeder screw. Oh, that's okay. on the caliper. That's right. what you yeah, opened last yeah. time. Right. Yeah, I know what that's at. But see, that's releasing everything at the caliper. But if you move upstream above the hose, open that connection, and it releases, well, at least you know the, fl- the hose is flowing both ways. So you can go up the line Then you know the it's next, something, something upstream. Now, on a 93 model, I mean, if it was mine and that was the original calipers and hoses, I would probably change the mass cylinder calipers and hoses. Reason yeah. being, that stuff is not real expensive, and, man, that thing is old. You know it's all tired. You ain't going to hurt yourself one bit just change it all. I had that happen to me once on the Suburban. The, the hoses collapsed. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yep. Actually, what happened on the Suburbans is that you know that little metal ring that wraps around it that bolts it to the control arm? Yeah. It gets a little bit of rust inside that ring, uh-huh. and that rust crunches that hose down. If you ever cut a brake hose in half and looked at that little hole in the center, you'd be amazed how small that hole is. Huh. It is tiny. Yeah. And what happens, just a little bit of corrosion would build up inside that little bracket, and that would rust would actually push in on that hose and restrict that thing. You could actually take a screwdriver and open that bracket up. Yeah, and it would free and it, it up. would free it up. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> we've done that before, just, to, just to, as a diagnostic procedure. Well, I tell you, we've got a head full of useless knowledge, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> That's why you got a show. That's there it. You That's it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right, Steve. All thanks for right, calling, man. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would absolutely love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Brakes locking up like that not hard to diagnose. In fact, I have an article on my website that goes into step by step by step procedure exactly how to diagnose that problem. Right. But so very often, what happens? The wheel locks up. So what happens is that they go change the caliper or calipers. Right. And what you're doing is you're treating the symptom. Not the problem. Not the problem, because any number of things can cause that from the brake hose to the little bracket around the brake hose 
to the steel line. I've even seen the steel lines over tightened on some of the new GM products. Right. They over tightened them from the factory, which actually collapsed it in and restricted it and would give you a brake pull one sure. way or cause the brakes to lock up. The ABS unit. If it doesn't get used a lot, like down here in the south, uh-huh. it can stick. And when it sticks, it can block the fluid off or apply one brake. Right. And you can change calipers and hoses all and everything all else until you're blue in the face. It's not going to cure the problem because you haven't diagnosed the actual cause of the problem. Right. The Suburbans were bad about that with that particular ABS unit. That old four-wheel ABS system with the big block, I forget what, what rendition it that was, was. Man, it was back in the 2000, 2001. Yeah, I think they ran that all the way from the 90s, from the mid-90s up to the early 2000s. Right. Those would hang up. And what would happen most time, it would start pulling to the left when you hit the brake. Sure. For well, whatever weird reason. That's just the way they... It was restricting the pressure to the right side. That's right. And the left one was doing all the braking, so therefore it would pull to the left. Well, we get that a lot, too, where people will come in and they'll say, look, my brakes are wearing unevenly. In other words, the right side is wearing down real fast. The left side's not wearing down real fast, mm-hmm. so they change the right caliper. Right. And it still does it. Well, the reason it is is the left one is not, not wearing because it is not working. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes a brake hose will cause that. Sure. Sometimes a bad master cylinder will cause that because on most master cylinders, the left front is tied to the right rear and the right front is tied to the left rear. Right. Instead of having Cross front, braking. front to rear braking, you now have diagonal braking on a lot of vehicles. On a lot of vehicles for the mere fact that they figured if they went diagonal, it was easier to keep control of the vehicle when you stop. Should you lose Should half, you lose half of, the of the system, system, you still got one front and one rear to stop the vehicle. Right. So what happens, let's say the master cylinder fails and it's not putting adequate pressure on two of the wheels. Well, the rear... If it's got drum brakes in the rear, you're probably not even going to notice it uh-huh. because they wear so slow, you probably won't notice a big difference. But the other side is now stopping the entire vehicle. Right. So, so it's going to wear it wears out, out quick. very, very rapidly. And you, what you can see is you can see one caliper wearing the pad real fast. Well, it's inviting to go in and change that caliper, except that that is not the problem at all. Exactly. It's kind of like the same thing with a brake pull. That's where you hit the brakes and the car jumps in the other lane. Uh-huh. Let's say it's pulling to the left. Well, people want to go change the left caliper, the left hose, or whatever. It's generally the right side. That's not working. Not working. Left is stopping, so it's going to go towards the wheel that's stopping, sure. and not the wheel that's not stopping. Sure. Yeah, and, it's kind of backwards of what you would actually think it would well, be. Well, it's counterintuitive to what a person who doesn't understand how the system works would maybe think. I've even noticed, if you watch real close, you hit the brakes hard, it dives, say, to the left. Okay. You let off. If you watch very carefully, there's a subtle pull back to the right because that caliper is not applying and it's also not releasing. So sometimes, not always, you may get a hard pull to the left on braking, release the brakes, and you get a subtle pull to the right that you didn't have before. Uh And then after a few minutes, it goes away. Right. And it's because the right side, either caliper or hose or master cylinder or ABS unit, has a malfunction. I've actually seen a pull that would almost correct itself you hit the brakes and it say it dives off to the right and you keep holding the same amount of pressure and all of a sudden it comes back left you can push through it right that is notoriously going to be a brake hose that right. is not flowing the amount of fluid it's in the amount of time it's the volume to. so when you hit the brakes initially more fluid reaches one caliper than the other so it dives over that way but as you continue to brake the, the pressure fluid equalizes, equalizes out the other one applies and it pulls back straight again right that is it's acting like a check valve notoriously going to be a hose that's colla- partially collapsed yeah and 
when you're going to change a brake hose, I would never change one brake hose. Oh, no. They both no. bend down the same exact road. With the same fluid. Same fluid. Right. They if both applied exactly the same number of times. If one has failed, the other one's not going to be far behind. Yeah, it's kind of like my teacher told me in algebra. What you do to one side of the equation, you do to the other side also. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of things are like that, but particularly things like brakes. Sure. You generally are not ever going to do anything just to one side. Like if one caliper goes bad... Unless you've got very low mileage, let's say you got twenty thousand miles and a caliper fails, well, you could assume something right. was wrong in the manufacturing process. This caliper just failed. Right. You might put one caliper. I see them do that under warranty on new sure. cars all the time. Sure. Well, that's acceptable because the other one only has ten, fifteen, twenty thousand miles. It can be assumed that something was manufactured improperly on the other one. That's the reason it failed. Mm-hmm. But on a wear and tear situation where we have a hundred, a hundred fifteen, a hundred thirty thousand, a hundred fifty thousand miles. Well, that caliper has failed because of contamination in the system, sure. wear and tear, all the factors that influence all the whole system together. Uh-huh. So you're not going to go in and change just the one. Right. You change them off as a set. That's right. Similar to what you might do with a shock absorber. Sure. You know, if it's a new shock and it blows a seal and starts leaking, you got yeah. 5,000 miles of right. car, well, you can you put figured, one shock. You figured if shock just failed. You got 150 and one goes out, well, you got to change them both. Sure. And really change all four would be the better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they've all been down the same road, the same bumps, everything. Yeah. If two are gone, then I can absolutely guarantee the other two are not real <laughs> That's far exactly. Behind. Hey, I see we're just about out of time. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and go to these great podcast services and run. Right. Whether it's Stitcher or iTunes I-Heart. or iHeart or right. give us a written review. We really appreciate it. It moves us up in the ratings. we got to get on out here. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.